Hello and happy Wednesday. I know a lot of our faithful watchers are in an intensive with Invictus in Wales. And so I, I'll catch up later. But we wanted to hop on and talk about our um, upcoming conference. We are now like just at six weeks from go time. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm I'm getting more and more excited as the minutes go by. Every time I think about it, I'm like, ah. We're going to do this. This will be fun. Um, so the conference, we we went round and round. I did. I went round and round about what to call the conference. I love to name things. Do you guys like to name things? Is that more of a girl thing? No. Do you like to name things? Okay. I love naming things. I like to. And I think, you know, that stems from, you know, Adam. That was the job God gave him. Name these animals. But anyway, so we went um, we went through a few different names and really just I felt like God was just really saying that this is about the ruins. This is about acknowledging the ruins. And I've had people ask me, like, what on earth is this? And (laughs) it's a valid question. Why? Why ruins? Like, who would want to come to a conference about the ruins? Right. Well, (laughs) until we acknowledge the ruins or even partner with God in bringing everything to a space of ruins, right? Because that needs to happen also. We cannot effectively move on from the space. We, uh, we've we talked about this, that we are in a, a season of, of deconstructing what has been unto the glory of God, right? Like this is something he is instructing us to do. There are things that are high places that no longer bring him um, praise and, and no longer offer worth to his name. And so we, we've just been in a, a season of deconstructing and really evaluating things and going like, is this it? Is this it? You know, and most of the things that, that we have done that we just routinely do are on the chopping block, right? And, um, and so that's why we named the conference Ruins is because God is asking us to acknowledge the ruins in order to appropriately build. And so much of our season this, this year is brought out of the book of Haggai and, or Haggai, however you choose to say it. Um, and, and how, you know, God is getting on to the people about you have been building your own houses and you haven't paid a bit of attention to mine and yours is still lying in ruins. Like you haven't done a good job. And, and then there's the invitation on the back <coughs> to come up here to get your building supplies and pay attention to my house. Let's build my house this go round. And, and so that's the invitation. But there has to be an acknowledgement of the ruins. Like when I put my hands to it alone in my own, my own way, my own preference, let's say it that way. It's not something that's a worth to to the Lamb of God. And so the invitation is that we acknowledge like what we have built isn't actually of God. And, and I'm not saying everything. Don't get crazy. But a lot of the things that we have done, our performance-based Christianity, especially in America, is it's ruins. We need to look at it and just call it what it is. It's ruins. It has not bought, brought God any kind of credence and he's so worthy. So let's, let's get into a position where we're willing to come into his house and gather supplies to build the way he wants. Okay. Is that a good enough introduction? We blabbed on prior to this about other things (laughs) and then it was go time. So that's the best I can do. Who wants to jump in? I'll jump in here. Um, this is, it's been kind of a hard topic for me to wrap my head around too, uh, because there are so many different things to to think about and, and so many different things to consider and directions you could go with it. And it is a lot of fun though. Once you actually start getting into this and start having conversations with the Holy Spirit about, about ruins, you have to uh, start internalizing this first, you know. Um, if we are going to be able to build something that is is on a solid foundation that's steady and stable long term, we have to acknowledge that 
there may be ruins in our own lives that need to be stripped away, that need to be uh, uh, pulled out. And, and so we have to bring it back down to that that foundational level. And, and like you said, uh, acknowledge uh, that there are uh, uh, ruins in, in our own personal lives that, you know, um, things that cause us to hide and not be fully exposed, not just to God, but to, to one another, you know, um, and, and really being able to go back to this whole thing that we talk about often, like almost every time we're on here, we talk about being able to sharpen one another and, and what that looks like. There has to be a willingness there to do so. And, um, and so we have to acknowledge that that needs to take place as well. And that's part of the ruins that needs to be gathered up and moved out. And, and God wants to do that. But we have to be able to acknowledge those things, be willing to acknowledge them, and then be willing to have him move those out. And looking at uh, our, our own selves as the temple of God, as the holy of holies, are there ruins in there that need mm -hmm. to be moved out? So then we can build like he's calling us to build, like in Haggai, uh, uh, stop focusing on your own little dwellings and, and focus on my house, his temple. And, and that's us on this side of the cross. And so uh, what are the, the ruins that are in my life that need to be examined and then ejected? Yeah. And I just, I love the, I love to use the word ejected because the uh, the visual imagery, if you've ever watched a video of a pilot ejecting out of a plane, that's what we, that's the force with which it needs to be kicked out of our lives. So. Love that. Pepper, jump in. You know, we talk a lot about the promise and the hope and the restoration and the new, and those are things that we're commanded to do and to keep those things in the forefront of our mind and be in remembrance. But there are times that we really have to acknowledge that the Lord's hand is heavy upon me and it doesn't feel good. And sometimes we don't get a lot of instruction in how to navigate that because we're so busy trying to get away from it. And sometimes you just have to sit in it, you know, and feel the heaviness of God and know it's not going to kill my spirit man. It, it will kill my sin nature and it will bring some of those things that need to come to ruins, ruins. But he doesn't always want us in this joy bubble of denial. He wants us to sit in it and feel the side of his love that feels like discipline, the side of his love that that does surgery. You know, surgery mm -hmm. doesn't feel good. And, and, and if, if you've ever had surgery, when you wake up, you do feel wounded, you feel vulnerable, you feel fragile. And then that's a time when you have all these professionals taking care of you. You have family and friends taking care of you. And that's not the time to jump out of bed and say, I'm fine, I'm restored, I'm new. You're not. So there's, you have to sometimes set in those ruins because God is doing surgery. He's stripping us down. He's, you know, he's laying a new foundation. Um, I was thinking of this morning, this is John 15 too. And it says, I am the true vine mm. and my father is the vine dresser. Every, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes it away. And so there are things in our lives that aren't bearing fruit. Maybe they did for a time, but now it's time to take those away. Maybe they never did, but you're going to feel that, you know, there's a song. I don't know that it's necessarily a scripture that says in the valley, he restores my soul. Mm. And because there's a time and a season for everything, it is appropriate sometimes to just sit in the valley and you know if you exercise your spiritual senses when you've gone into a dark place. I'm not talking about allowing yourself to be into a dark place and have pity parties. But we do have to allow ourselves to sit with God in the valley. Um, you know, they that wait on the Lord renew their strength. So mm -hmm. there's a renewal in that resting. So he says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes it away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. 
So you see, we'll never get away from the stripping and from the that reset that God does because, because we are people that love God and we don't practice sin. Sometimes we forget that our sin nature still needs to be dealt with. And because he doesn't do it all at once, we think, okay, God, I'm good now. <laughs> I don't need no more, fire, no more fire, no more trials. Right. But he takes us through times and seasons. And, you know, um, I said this last time and it's probably getting old, but it, it really is darkest before the dawn. You know, mm -hmm. he, he weeping really does endure for a night, but he promises that joy will come in the morning. So if we're waiting for morning for our joy, that tells me there's going to be times that we don't have joy. And there are going to be times that we have joy. And because joy isn't entirely a feeling, we're not always going to feel the joy that we have. Yeah. But um, I'm, you know, this conference, I feel like I've been in the ruins. And I think we've all been feeling that for months, months, yeah. and some of us years. And so I have great expectation and great hope. And so my encouragement is I'm sitting in the ruins now. He's pruning me. He's loving me with that discipline that he says, if I don't discipline you, you're not a son. So I would encourage all of us to embrace those ruins, not as the final place, but as that launching pad, because when he's got you in the ruins, God's never without a plan, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, and you know, it's it's so interesting because right now the um the most local airport to us is in Manhattan and well high functioning <laughs> airport anyway. Um and and it's in ruins. Like they are demolishing the runway. And and I, and I feel like that's that's where most of us have have been experiencing life from is there is a demolishing of the runway. Like we feel a little grounded, if you will. And mm -hmm. um and, and there is no space to take off. And however, that is not to say that he isn't meeting us in the ruins. Like I need him in the ruins. This isn't a, a place that we're talking about the absence of the presence of God. If you're experiencing that, then, you know, reach out to someone and, and have them help you get those blinders off. Because the thing is, is like, he's ever present. He, he, one of his names is Emmanuel. He is God with us. And he doesn't lift off because of, of mess. You know, that's not his mm -hmm. MO. I know that, you know, we have painted God in that way in the past that, you know, he's the God who can't look on sin. No, he's the God who collected sin. He's the God <laughs> who died because of our sin. And, and so that's not true of him. He's in it with us. And, and, and so really like, for me, sometimes it has felt like he's taking a jackhammer to the foundations <laughs> of my life. Yeah. And so there is like this violence about it. And then there's the other times when it does feel more like the vine dresser, you know, and, and I, you know, I know how to prune a, a plant and, and you have to, you have to do it with a little bit of, of a, a delicate hand, or you could like snap the whole thing. And, and so we also have to see him in a tender way. There are places in us that require the jackhammer. And then there are places in us where he's being so tender and, and he's just gently clipping off things that actually, because if you know anything about plants, once they start creating offshoots, it lessens the amount of fruit that the plant can bear. So he want, he's about fruit. Okay. He is a God that is about the fruit. He loves juicy things. And, and so he just gently prunes off of those things that are shooting off of us that we may be looking at like, Ooh, look at me, but he's going, wait, this is actually not going to, um, it, it's not going to be helpful. It's not going to be to your advantage to have all of these offshoots of foliage when he's after the fruit. And, and so, and I think that there is such an invitation 
for us to even partner with him to be like, I mean, we, we love to look at the grandiose vision and be like, yes, the glory, right? Like we want the oil, we want the joy. And, and sometimes I think the Holy Spirit even uses joy as an intoxicant. Honestly, I, I, I tell you that from experience that he, when he is doing a deep um, dismantling, he will use joy as an intoxicant to, or a anesthetic. Maybe that's a better way of saying that to, to be able to go as deeply as he needs to go. And there you go. Mm-hmm. Um, because he knows that he knows us, he knows us better than we know ourselves, but there is, a, there's a partnering that needs to take place where we are agreeing and saying, you're right, God, that's not honoring to who you are. And, and I know I threw this out to you guys maybe yesterday or the day before, but I, I want to read parts of Ezekiel 6 because I, I feel like we need to better understand what is actually transpiring for us. And you know, I was watching a broadcast this morning and somebody threw in the comments that because she was talking about um, the spirit of death and um, and how like when it's over a church and you are covenanted with that church, there's absolutely nothing you can do until as a body you renounce that spirit of death death. And, um, and I thought, oh my gosh, that's wild. But somebody threw in the comments, like 80% of American churches, right? Question mark, question mark. And I was like, ah, oh, that's so painful to have to like, look at and, and agree with like, maybe, maybe, maybe that's true. I mean, honestly, who knows, but, um, I, I we have allowed so much compromise in our churches on this land that it could possibly be true that, you know, there is, there's a lot that isn't actually bringing honor to, uh, to the Lord. So in Ezekiel six, um, and I'm reading out of the passion translation. Thank you, Lisa. Um, it says Yahweh said to me, son of man, turn toward the mountains of Israel and prophesy against them. Say to them, mountains of Israel, hear the words of Lord Yahweh, he prophesies to the mountains and hills, to the ravines and the valleys. I am wielding a sword against you and I will demolish your shrines. Your altars will be deserted and your incense altars will be smashed. I will slay your people before your idols. I will lay the corpses of the Israelites before their idols and I will scatter your bones all around your altars. Wherever you live, your cities will be ruined and your shrines deserted. All your altars will be destroyed and desecrated, and your idols shall be broken and banished. Your incense altars will be chopped down and all your works wiped out. The slain will lie everywhere in your midst, and you will know that I am Yahweh. That's intense. I will spare some of you who escape the sword when you are scattered among the nations. Those who escape will remember me among the nations where they are, where there are exiles. They will remember how my heart was crushed by their promiscuous ways when they turned their hearts away from me by their wandering eyes that lusted after idols. They will loathe themselves for the evil things they did and all their detestable practices. And they will realize that it was no idle threat when I, Yahweh, declared that I would bring the severe punishment upon them. And and so we we need to realize it. And the only reason I read that is, is not to like scare us half to death, but for us to realize like this is his heart concerning idolatry. This high place that has been erected in America that we call worship is actually not honoring to God. And he wants it smashed. I mean, we have created idols unto self. Look at me, look what I can do. And we've got all the bells and whistles surrounding it. We we put a spotlight on it and we call it good, but he doesn't. He desecrates these things. And it's actually our job to partner with him in this, knowing full well that even in this space of mourning, of ruins, of desolation, that the joy does come in the morning. The glory is on the horizon, but we have to get ourselves into a position, into a shape as a body that we can actually host that measure of glory well. And we won't be able to do it unless we partner with him in dismantling the things that no longer bring him worth. And so how are we doing? How are we doing in this? Are are we doing a good job at partnering with him in this? Or are we just kind of like... (laughs) 
<laughs> rolling around in it, wailing and uh, whining about how uncomfortable it is and how, you know, ah, nothing's going my way. And we have all the grumbling and complaining. I've been on both ends. I'll be the first to admit I've done it both ways. <laughs> there are moments when I, I get to the point where I am just like, God, I don't even know what we're doing anymore. Mm. You know, can I be that honest? That's so that that 80% of American churches comment, I, I would say maybe 80% of those that are making a lot of noise on social media that you see and hear a lot about, yeah. uh, because uh, a, a lot of them are prostituting the gifts that God has given mm. and, and monetizing them and selling them and, and making a profit on what should be uh, uh, what was freely received should be freely given. Yeah. And so, yeah in that regard, maybe 80%, but you know, there's a lot of churches out there yeah. doing a lot of good things. So, um, the, the vine dresser, what you were talking about earlier and pruning. And I think that is something that we have to look at in regards to this. And, uh, it goes with Ezekiel six to a certain extent, but we look at, uh, the vine dresser and the, and the picture I, I get in my head is not one of, of something where, uh, what is not useful anymore, not necessarily bad, but just not useful anymore needs to be pruned away. A lot of times when we think about the pruning process, we're we're thinking about, oh, this is something that is, is negative or um, uh, is dragging us down, whatever. And that's not always the case. Sometimes there are uh, assignments that God has given us that we want to hold on to for too long. And yeah. he is ready to prune those things away from us and move us into what the next thing is. And, uh, and so I, I think we need to really have a better understanding of what it is God's doing. When we look at, at the vine dresser, when we look at him, when he comes to prune those things to, to say, okay, you know, uh, I, I've got bigger and, uh, what'd you say, uh, uh juicier fruit <laughs> for you. If you allow me to prune these things away from you and, and then we can move forward. And, and uh, I think it just takes a heavy hand in Ezekiel six when it, when you're looking at all these things. This is this is a, a a pruning of these high places. He wants to take those and get them removed, and um, it was very serious uh, yeah. and and very um, uh, what's the word? Uh, um, it was it was a powerful thing to listen to you reading that and understanding what it is that God's doing when He's talking about these things. He is, he is wanting to get rid of them. And, and there is a, a, a at the time, a life or death struggle in that. Yeah. And, and now it's, it's a lot easier for us on this side of the cross to be able to turn away from those things mm -hmm. and, and be able to come back up higher with him. And, and so I just think uh, uh, looking at the vine dresser, we need to have a better understanding of what that means fully. And, and make sure we're taking a right picture of God and, and rightly regarding what he's doing there. And, right. and uh, the joy uh, uh, or the anesthetic factor of the joy, um, you know, with, with without the mourning process of saying, oh, God's wanting to take these things away from me. This was, you know, maybe this, it was an assignment that I was on from him and it was good and it was fun and I loved it. But um, I'm going to quickly mourn these things. And the joy that comes with the next thing is going to be so much sweeter. Yeah. When, when we allow ourselves to, to sit through that process, uh, Pepper, like you mentioned earlier, sitting in the ruins and, and taking a look at them. And so uh, I, I just think it's really important not to, to be too quick to rush through that, that process as well. Yeah. Before you jump in, Pepper, I, I wanted to draw our attention to one other space of scripture that goes along with that Ezekiel 6 and it's Lamentations 2. I know I'm in weird books this week, but <laughs> I just want to read that the whole the whole chapter is really good and we should go and read it. But in verse seven, it just simply says, God abandoned his altar. He walked away from his holy temple and and turned the fortifications over to the enemy. As they cheered in God's temple, you'd have thought it was a feast day. Mm 
And I'm mm-hmm. afraid that this is really where we are we are at as a nation, that, that we have we have allowed everything to become holy and and we have not rightly regarded him. We we have we have um honored him in lip service, but our hearts are very far away from him. We allow any old thing to go on and without questioning it. And and we need the fear of the Lord to enter back into our holy temples so that we can call what he calls right. 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 You know, we, we need that. We need the fear of the Lord so that we can actually see things the way that he sees them. Because this is sad to me. This is heartbreaking to read that there was even a time in history where, where God felt unwelcome in his own temple, something that was made on his behalf, that he had to up and walk away. And the people cheered because their idols, the gods of their idols were more important to them than the creator. Let's, let's, let's not push this any further than we already have. Let's yeah. the back and him and this is going to take like one hidden body at a time fiercely turning back to him and longing for the fear of the lord to enter into their temples to see this this day of glory come right and and we know that that's 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 what he wants it's what he longs for scripture also tells us that the glory of god will cover the whole earth but it's going to take sons and daughters of glory to stand in their rightful place. And that means that we can't stand just anywhere. We have to stand on the foundation of his righteousness and his justice. We have to stand as royals. We have to stand as, as ambassadors who are releasing the right word of the Lord, who are governing rightly, legislating rightly. And we're saying no to the things that he says no to, which means we have to have an eye on him at all times because he shifts and he moves and we need to shift and we need to move with him because we need to know the difference between good and God. And that's what we're talking about here is, is there are good things in our lives that he's cutting off because it's no longer going to serve his kingdom. That was, that was bracing us to get us to this day, but now it's got to go. It's like, you know, a kid learning to ride a bike. Trikes are great until they're not, until your knees are in your chest or hitting your jaw. And then you need to move to a bike with training wheels on it and training wheels are good until they're not. Then you need to move into learning to ride the bike and, and balancing correctly and, and ride the bike and be able to take off at any time. And um, so we need to we need to recognize the difference between good and God. We tend to linger and like the, the disciples want to go up and follow Jesus up the mountain and see the, the transfiguration taking place and the communion that he's having with the greats that went before them and be like, Let's build an altar. <laughs> you know, let's let's throw up some tents and live here forever. That's what our humanity, our flesh wants to do is like, this is good and this is God. But the thing is, is he's on the move. He's moving and we need to move with the lamb. That's right. Pepper. And you know, moving with him, what you spoke of in Lamentations 2 7, that God felt unwelcome in a place that he created for his presence to dwell. And there are places in us, you know, as individuals, but certainly in our nation where uh, we're still hanging our hat on those things. And God has written Ichabod over it because the glory has departed and we've not even recognized, you know. And so sometimes that is why the ruins have to come. You know, uh, what you read in Ezekiel, you know, God, God has no problem putting people in exile if that's what it takes to see his plan come forward, you know, on the earth and in humanity. And I think about um, one of the epistles, uh, 1 Corinthians, where uh, Paul talks about the, the man who was caught in sexual sin in the church. And let me preface this by saying, I'm not saying God wants to turn us over to Satan. That's not what I'm saying. Right. 
But in 1 Corinthians 5, he does talk about, you know, because ideally we want to fall on the rock, like it talks about in Matthew, and be conformed to the image of the rock. So we do have that choice. But if we take another route, the rock will fall on us. Mm -hmm. And so I look at this situation that came to a different kind of ruins because of the choices he made. And Paul said, turn him over to Satan Mm -hmm. to save his flesh. I mean, to destroy his flesh to save his soul. So yeah. God loves us so much that if we won't fall on the rock, he He will let us go our own way. You know, he will let us go into exile. He, he, he loves us so much. He'll do what it takes, you know. But I think um, we know the best option is just surrender, just to mm-hmm. fall on that rock, be conformed to the image of the rock. And, and, um, you know, he, he, when his hand is heavy upon us, I just keep hearing that phrase, heavy upon us. Mm. You know, it, it hurts, but it feels good at the same time. You yeah. know, it's like you ever disciplined one of your children and then they cry and you hold them and they sniff and, <laughs> and you tell them, no, mommy didn't want to do that, but you wouldn't listen. I had to. And then you comfort them, you know, you don't throw them in a room and shut the door and say, that's what you get forever, you know, (laughs) and I think God does that to you, to us, and he shows us the error of our ways, and he says, I just did this because I want you to go in this direction, but you were determined to go in this direction, you know, yeah, and so, yeah, he does that, he He really does that, he does. And the, the other scripture that I, I, I want to to make sure that we're keeping on the forefront of our mind is Matthew 7. And it's it, come to God through the narrow gate because the wide gate and broad path is the way that leads to destruction. Mm-hmm. Nearly everyone chooses that crowded road. The narrow gate and the difficult way leads to eternal life. So few ever even find it. And and this is the call. This is what's before us right now is it's the narrow path, that narrow path. And and if, if you're on the crowded way, if everybody is moving in that direction, you need to stop and take just a pause and ask, am I on the way? I want to be on the way. I want to be so close to you that, that we look inseparable, Right. And, and it is, it's the more difficult way. It's the more challenging way. It's the way that makes you look honestly foolish. Like, why would you do that? Why, why would, why would you, why would you want to live that life? Because it's not an easy life. It will cost you everything, everything. Mm -hmm. It'll cost you your reputation. The moment that, that, that you start in on this narrow path, it's laid down, laid down down and and you no longer can can make excuses for why it looks this way you know because it is it's nonsensical it makes no sense at all but that's the call it's the call who will follow me that closely narrow narrow is the way but you know what i love oh i'm sorry no go ahead i was just thinking though one thing i love about the narrow way are there are less distraction and there are few choices you know the broadway has all these distractions and shiny things you know like the dog squirrel (laughs) you're gone over there he makes the choices so easy for you you know i i put before you life and death choose life i am the way just follow me you know yeah And, and and it's so narrow that you have to watch where you're putting your feet you know, on the broad road, you can stray this way and you can, that, uh, that's another thing the Lord gave me this morning, um, was, uh, what was the word he gave me? Resolute, mm. you know, and one of the things it, it means is to be unswerving, you know, just straight and narrow, you know. You're not double-minded. You're not to the left one minute, to the right one minute, in the middle one minute. You know, just resolute, and that's 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 the joy of the narrow path because you see the people on the broad road, 
They yeah. don't know which way to go. They don't know who they are. They don't know who they can trust. They, they don't know anything. Yeah. There are no absolutes anymore on the narrow road. Everything's gray. Everything's your truth. Everything's what you determine it to be or what some professional says it is. But the narrow road, he makes it so easy for us, you know? Yes. It's, it's, it's difficult in the best way, I guess, is, is how Mm -hmm. we should say that Mm -hmm. (laughs) because it's intimacy, Mm -hmm. intimacy with him. Jumping. I guess I have a, a little bit different thought about the narrow road. Um, it, yes, it, it is is less distractions. It is it's more easy for us to to be focused on Jesus and 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 stay stay the course. Uh, one of the things I think about though is is on a narrow road, you are more vulnerable to ambush because there is less space for you to go. Uh, however, uh, like you're talking about, though, there is there is protection there. Um, and, and we know that as soon as you make a real and serious commitment to the call that God has given you, the attacks are going to come quickly and they are going to come harshly. And, and like we've talked about over the last uh, couple of months, that, that cyclic behavior uh, that it, it tries to pull you back into that. To, to get you derailed or distracted and off of the narrow road. Uh, and, um, and so it's just something to, to really understand that, that when, when you get on that narrow road, you get committed, these, these ambushes are going to come at you quick and hard. Um, but staying focused in there uh, gives you solutions to, to be able to, like we talked about, I don't remember how long ago it was, we talked about ambushes and, and if you get ambushed, you got to get out of the kill zone quick, which means don't stop. Don't stay there. Don't get stuck. Keep going. And uh, But if you stay focused on Jesus, he's going to show you how to get out of that. He's going to give you the solutions that you need. Um, but like Angie was saying, it's going to cost you uh, some things to stay on this narrow road. There isn't enough room for your, your ego. There isn't enough room for your earthly reputation. Uh, there is plenty of room for your kingdom reputation, however. And and uh, the the reputation you carry as an ambassador of the kingdom, as an ambassador of the King of Kings, and there is room for that. And so, yeah. uh, that that's my take on the narrow road. Uh, there, there's going to be some ambushes that come, um, but uh, there is there's hope there. There is freedom, and uh, stay focused on Jesus. Amen. Yeah. But, and I think that the, the outflow of, of the kingdom in this narrow space has a, a purity on it that the world needs. It's what the world is aching for. And, um, you know, I, I started this off talking about the um, Power Hour broadcast this morning. They were talking about the spirit of death. And, um, and, you know, and also taking into context the, the comment about 80% of American churches, you know, and, um, and this is what I feel Holy Spirit was saying is, is there is like the, the church in, in our culture, our Western culture is riddled with the spirit of death. But then he began to show me that it's because the church hasn't done a good job at stewarding the living sacrifices, the, the message of being a living sacrifice. And so it, it's actually, there's a longing inside of us to die for something. And, and, and when it's not put on display, we'll reach for the pseudo of that nature. And, and really like what it is, is we, we are laid down lovers. We, 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 we die to live unto to Christ. And, and so there, there is this, this false sense of death that needs to, 
to be kicked out. And, and really the, the teaching of the instructing of the discipling of the cost, the laying down your life to live for Christ is something that we haven't stewarded well as the, the global church, really. Um, some nations probably feel like they have the corner on that, but I'm going to say that we probably all have some growing to do. And, um, and, and so that's also part of, of this ruins is, is we have got to function from lay down on the altar. That Mm -hmm. is the narrow way is being Mm -hmm. laid down. That means that, you know what? I I don't care what it's going to look like. If you are requiring everything from me in this moment, I have to strip myself of my own sense of dignity to give him what it is that he's after. And I, I am saying this to you with some trepidation, knowing full well, when my flesh rises up in these moments where he's like, are you going to go all in? And I'm going, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you know everything in me starts manifesting and wants to say. So I, I, I'm not saying this to you as if it's going to be an, a, a choice of ease, because it's not. We have allowed our flesh so much say in what it is that we do on a daily basis that we're really fighting against that right now. Mm. And, and we need to, to just allow him to come and arrest us and have his way in our body. We have to allow our body. Honestly, we have to allow our body to do what it is that he's calling for. And that is going to take a whole lot of self-control because we are very afraid of what it's going to look like to go all in. Most of us can't even do it in an intimate setting. Most of us can't even do it one-on-one with the Lord. I started dancing before the Lord yesterday morning. He's like, it was weird. I'm just going to tell you, it was like I walked into it. And there was a a worship song playing and it's an old hymn. Can't remember what it was exactly, but there was something on the song. And I instantly just entered in and just began to to dance. And I I kid you not, we are seconds in and I start thinking, (gasps) what if somebody walks in? (laughs) <laughs> I'm just being real with you. <laughs> These are the things that like you're talking about, Vince. It's like the narrow way has more ambush. And that is true. But are we going, what are we going to give way to? What mm-hmm. we give way to is what we worship. I'll just say it simply. Well, see, and we live in a culture that we've bought more into the culture than we realize. Yeah. Because ambush sounds like a scary word and it is a scary word but if you truly believe that god uses all things and works them to our good when we're in his will if we are right in the middle of his will on the narrow road and we get ambushed blessed be the name of the lord so be it because he has a purpose in it you know Mm -hmm. he teaches us how to do war and all the things that we talked about about the ruins so we live in a culture and our human nature, it's survival of the fittest, right? So we don't get up thinking, how can I lose my life today? We get up thinking, how can I save my life today? But that's counter to scripture because scripture says we're supposed to seek to lose our life. How many, I didn't wake up this morning thinking, hmm, how can I lose my life today? I'm thinking, how am I going to survive? And I feel, and I think, and I, you know, (laughs) but it's really, it's really, opposite to what scripture says we should be thinking how to lose our life but (laughs) i i heard uh sharon stone say this some some years ago but um that part of the world that we call the persecuted church she was in a prayer meeting with a chinese gentleman and you know they live under such persecution all the time and she says they're in a prayer meeting and he's saying Oh, God, we want to be martyrs for you. Teach us how we can lay down. And she's thinking, no, God, no, God, (laughs) no, God. (laughs) But they're praying from this position of literally, how can I lose my life for you? And I'm not recommending that. But I mean, it, it is a point to show that how our Western thinking has been designed for us to think, how can I save my life? 
How can mm-hmm. I save my life? Whether it's my physical life, how can I save myself from hard things? How can I make myself be better? How can I be affirmed? How can me, 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 <laughs> you know? And we forget that even in the ambush, even in the death of a loved one, even in illness, even God redeems us through all these things. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's so true. And I'm, I'm reading a book right now about the, the apostolic fathers and, um, and, and that is the theme of it. They, they were looking for, for ways to lose their lives for Christ (laughs) and they counted it an honor to walk the road he walked. And for them, that meant severe persecution and death most of the time. And, and, and they rejoiced in it. They rejoiced in it. They, they, they would, they would count the scars on their body as signs of, of their Christ likeness. And how far removed are we from that? And, you know, I'm not wishing persecution on us at all. But <laughs> I, I do know that we are a far cry from, from being willing to even appear outside of ourselves. You know, another thing that happened to me a couple of weeks ago was I walked in the church. And I wasn't even one step in the sanctuary and God just, he called for a shout. He's like, I want you to release a shout right now. And I was like, what? (laughs) I was like, so taken off guard by that. And, and it was like, "Uh." (laughs) (laughs) but you know what I'm saying? It's like, are we a people who are in his hands as instruments that he can use. If he wants to blow through me like a trumpet blast, who am I to argue with him? I gave him what he wanted. Don't worry. But but my, my reaction to that was like, ah, all of a sudden, immediately thinking, maybe somebody's here. Why, why do I care so much? You know? And I think that the more real we get, and honest we get and raw we get, the more we can begin to free ourselves yeah. from, from these things. Because as long as we're keeping it all hidden and making it appear that we've got it all going on, we don't. We're just, it, it's entrapment. And um, and we need to be free. So we need to talk about it. We need to talk about the ways that we've been ambushed, the ways that we've been kept silent. I mean, most of us, I think, are, are gagged. We are gagged mm-hmm. and unwilling to, to follow mm-hmm. the things that God is asking of us because we are so afraid of what it's going to look like, me included. Yeah. So it makes me think about Second Corinthians five. I think it's verse thirteen. If if I'm out of my mind, if I if I don't look like I'm in my right mind, whatever you think that is, you know, like not, you know, not in reality, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's for God. That's what it says. It says it's for God. So in these things where he's calling for a shout, calling for us to uh, do whatever it is in those moments, uh, dance, yeah. uh, those things are for him. And then it, it says right after that, if I am in my right mind, uh, then it's for you, for people, for others. You know, when we are um, on these broadcasts and, and, and we uh, appear in our right mind, it's for the people that are watching and hearing the message of God come through here. Mm-hmm. But if we get crazy and just start uh, weeping or uh, maybe even speaking in tongues, whatever that looks like, whatever, you know, if we decide to get up and have a dance party, it's not for the people. Right. That's that's for God. Right. And so in that full commitment, just understand those things when when he's asking you to do those things, it's for him. Mm-hmm. when he leads you to those things. And, and so hopefully that helps uh, to be able to recognize the ambush when it comes. Oh, this is something that is coming against what God wants for himself, right. what, what we are going to give to God, not uh, what it's going to look like for our reputation. Mm-hmm. Those things are, are, are fighting against him and not me. And so um I think it's important that uh, we look at these situations or these things. Uh, they are for us, uh, uh, happening for us and not happening to us. Yeah, that's good. 
I think that's an important thing to recognize. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nope. And so we've said all of this to, to introduce why it is that, that we, we named the conference ruins and, and, and I, I feel like that this conference, not because we're doing a conference, we're, we're doing the conference because God said to do the conference, right? And and for me, it feels like this heightened moment of of where God is calling us and and to draw us up higher and then begin to level out to 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 build His mm-hmm. kingdom rightly, and um. We have Rebecca King coming in to speak. She was here last July. She's a, a, a rebel rouser. It's going to come in and cause all kinds of trouble. I just know it. I <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, was super excited ab- about that. We um, our, our worship will be in-house. Pepper and, um, and Robin Duncan will be leading our worship. And, um, and we, we're practicing right? Like we are taking time on Wednesdays to, to practice learning how to give him what it is that he's calling for right now in this season. And, um, and, and this is where, you know, this is training. It's where we're, we're, we're learning to step out of ourselves and not care what it looks like to, to bring him all the honor, all the glory, all the power. Right. And, um, and it really is, it, we are not professionals in this. All you have to do is show up on a Wednesday night to realize we are not professionals <laughs> in this. We are toddling at best, but the thing is, is we're doing it. We are doing it. We're willing to, to step into it and, and, and offer him what it is that he's calling for. And um, it's the best we can do. And then Vince and I will also be um, teaching at the conference. And the dates are July 7th through the 9th. So it's uh, Friday night, um, all day Saturday and Sunday morning. And um, and we will likely be live for some of that. But please, if you are within a state's drive, come come be a part of what we're doing. We do ask that you register for the conference just so we can know how many people we're accommodating and, um, and, uh, but there is no registration fee. So come, but if you come, you have to enter in, but that, that's the only thing that's the price tag on it. So it's not going to cost you any money, but it's going to cost you everything. And um, so anyway, would you guys add anything to that as we close? Got anything? No, no. I would just say, you know, I was like, look, I looked up Romans 14, eight here. Just give them your life. You know, yeah. it doesn't belong to you. I know we think our lives are, um, but Romans 14, eight says, no one lives to himself and no one dies to himself. While we live, we must live for our master and in death, we must bring honor to him. So dead or alive, we belong to our master. Mm. Mm. That's so good. And with that, we'll just say goodbye. <laughs> we'll say, we'll see you next time. <laughs> Talk later, guys. <laughs>